good to be with you today, church. We're going to continue in a series we've entitled Invested. We're going to finish this up today. Um, and if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 16, page 02. John chapter 16, page 902. 902, if you're following along in the Bible in front of us. As we talk about invested, it's this idea that God has invested in us in so many ways. And that he calls in his kingdom. And uh, just watching that video from Sierra Leone, this is a way that we have invested. It was back in 2011 where we said, um, what, what if we go to Sierra Leone? Back in 2008, we heard that there was a clean water problem in countries like that, and we got involved. And so again, after the service today, wait till I'm done preaching, if you would. Uh, after the service, go back and get one of these cards. For some of us, you're going to have to get a bigger magnet because this, I think, is the third picture of Cotty Coker I have and putting that on my refrigerator along with the others. But if you've been doing this with us, get a picture of your kid. If not, grab a picture of another kid, but pray for these kids. It's part of our investment. Most of us won't go to Sierra Leone but uh, there's going to be a great reunion one day in glory, and then you can put your arms around these kids. One of these kids picked a picture this week, and I looked, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. This kid was diagnosed with malaria six months ago, and we got that news from Africa, and we were praying, and then we hear, you know what? We were able to give some of the money we sent. She got some medication, doing fine, and, and then to just see her picture, because they don't always do fine in a third world country like that. So on the way out today, grab one of these cards and then pray for these kids regularly. I could talk Sierra Leone, but I won't. I love that place. But I love you too. I love the Word of God. And so we're going to open this up. Title I've given this message today is Guided for Glory. Guided for Glory. And I'm going to explain that a little bit. But before I get to that phrase that I want us to consider today, I want us to consider what today is. You heard from uh, Pastor Cyrus on the video. Today is a special day on the Christian calendar, and it's called Pentecost. And, and I want to talk about means today, because as we do, I know that you're going to be encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be encouraged about what this day means. If I say what's Christmas, you know that. All right, you know that, yeah, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, and that means you get a bunch of presents and family. If I said what's Easter, sometimes we call that Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, we get excited about that one. And we remember, oh, yes, Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, and that also means we go home, see family, dress, ham. Anyway, but when we get to this day, Pentecost Sunday, yeah, okay, we got one woohoo, but you know, sometimes we're like, well, what is it, or what are we going to do special? Let me, let me just explain a little bit about this, because it's an important day, so, and, and Jewish people are celebrating this day, uh, and they have actually for years and years and years and years before Jesus arose uh, or, or arrived, but let me this, and we have to go back real quick history lesson to Passover. So 1500 BC, when Israel is rescued by God, because uh, they had been uh, slaves 
to the Egyptians, God, I'm going to do something amazing here, and I'm going to pass over your homes. Now catch this, Israel. If you would take blood of lambs and apply this to your homes, put this on your doorposts, I'm going to pass over you, and I want to make it on the nation of Egypt because they have false gods. I want you to know that I'm the one true God, so I would pass over you if you would apply this blood to your life. They're like, man, it seems a little crazy. And he says, just trust me on this one. Okay, they do this. And he passed over the Pharaoh says, get out. This is miserable. I want my slaves gone. Uh, you know, God's against us. You go. They get out and God says, I want you to remember this. Every year that I rescued you, it was the blood of the lamb. I rescued every Jewish people had been celebrating this Passover, remembering God's rescue. Write this down. Every year they're remembering God's rescue. Jesus celebrated this. Each year he's celebrating as a little boy. Yes, God rescued our nation and God is a God who used. Now, when Jesus is crucified, guess what weekend he's crucified on? Passover weekend, where we are going to celebrate again. Yes, there was a lamb who was crucified, and his blood, if it is applied, passed over from the judgment of God. Our sins are forgiven. So Jesus is the perfect Passover lamb. And it's just pretty fascinating how God works all of this out. Well, 50 days after Passover, seven full weeks Passover, the Jewish people would gather again and they would remember this time that God is the God of the harvest. They remembered that he was the God who rescues, but now they remember that he is a God of the harvest. They would get together this time of notice bringing up. You know, I've noticed this in my own yard. The raspberries are starting to spring up. And I'm like, oh, I see them. And just before long, if I keep watering them, I'm going to be eating some great raspberries. And they would remember this in the spring. God is the God of harvest. See my little Marion berries, and they're starting to flower. And it's like, oh, they're coming pretty soon. And for some reason, those walnuts that fell out of the tree and got into the ground that I did not see, guess what they're doing this time of year as well? They're sprouting up, and I'm taking those and throwing them all in the tree yard. But the people would get together seven weeks after Passover and say, God, you're the God of the harvest. Now, guess what happens 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm the God of the harvest. Because what I did is I took my son, seed, and I had him crushed and buried. You thought he was crucified. I showed that he was raised from the dead. But I want to show you now that I'm the God of the harvest. I want to show you that his life is producing a great crop. So 50 days later, they gather together. Here's what I'm doing. I'm pouring out my Holy Spirit, my spirit, into the life of every person who follows follows my son. And whoom, the movement goes crazy because he is the God of the harvest. Now, we kind of forget that. But I'll tell you, as Christmas is so important and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is important, the sending of the Holy Spirit is so important. And I want to talk a little bit about that today because we cannot forget Christmas. A year that we go by and go, ah, this year, let's just forget Christmas. We don't do that. There's not a year we go, mm, we won't talk about the death and resurrection. We can't forget the sending of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what I want to look at today. God pouring out his spirit to all believers. If you want to write down a couple passages and just say, I want to find out more of that. Exodus chapter 12, write that down. Exodus chapter 12, that would... Uh, you could read about the Passover. Acts chapter 2, you could read out his to all believers. And yeah, that is good stuff. 
And what God was saying is, I'm going to start dwelling in a special way with every single one of you who take my son and receive my son and want him to be the Lord of your life. I'm going to dwell with you. So I just started making a note and a list of all the places that God has dwelt. And I thought, you know what, this is significant because God is saying, I'm dwelling with man in a special way at this point said, you know, got out of Egypt, when they got out of slavery, and they go into the wilderness, that God lived and dwelt in the tabernacle. You can read about this, and I think the passages are in your notes, that God said, I want you to build this building, pick it up, and pack it up, and whenever we move, I want you to set it up, and I'm going to meet with you in a special place there. And inside this, there's the Holy of Holies, and, and I will meet with Moses. And I will meet with the priest. But this meeting place, this tabernacle, is in essence where God would dwell. Well, that happened until they got into their homeland. And before long, King David said one day, he's like, God, you know, I live in a pretty cushy place. And you live in I want to make a place for you. Would it be okay, God, if I make a, a temple for you? You deserve something better than what I'm actually living in. And God said, uh, David, let me tell you a couple things. One... I don't really just live in a tavern. I don't. And I want you to know this. You're not going to be the one who builds me anything. But God said, I will dwell in a temple, a temple built in Jerusalem. And so a temple was built in Jerusalem. And God said, this is my residence to some degree. But we also read this that in Psalm 11, that the heavens which God created, that's actually where he lives he says, I don't live in a tent, and I don't live in a man-made building. I actually live in the heavens. But these are some of the places that have been associated with where God dwelt. Now, this last week, Thursday morning, I'm praying with a bunch of guys, 6.30. And frankly, men, any of you are welcome to join us. We just meet up here, 6.30, till about 7.50 pray. And, and as we're talking, I don't even remember what we were talking about. But before we start praying, one of the guys says, do you know Isaiah 57? Uh, 15. And I'm like, no, I don't have that one memorized yet. And he goes, you need to check it out. And it says this, would in the midst of the humble and the broken and the contrite. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of what I'm talking about. So I wrote that down. I put that in your notes there. Because God says, listen, not only do I live in the highest heavens, but I live in the hearts of the humble. And this is what we see at Pentecost Sunday, that God would say, if you would be humble enough to say, I need Jesus, God says, I'm going to dwell there. <laughs> this is so crazy. The God of the universe choosing to live in me. I mean, what, there was a big wedding yesterday, right? I mean, I didn't watch that. I, what if they emailed you or something and said, could I live at your house? I mean, some of you that were waking up at 3 a.m. to watch that, you'd be, no way they're going to live with me. This is greater than that. That's just some guy in England marrying some movie star. I mean, we're talking the God of the universe saying, I'm going to dwell with you, the hearts of the humble, specifically those who would receive his son, Jesus. Anyone would say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I have sinned and I need you to pay for my sins. And he goes, oh, I'm moving in with you. I'm moving in with you. And so today's a great time to look back and remember what God has done. Remember the gift of the Holy Spirit, because I think, honestly, we just forget about him. We don't forget about the Father. We think of fathers. We just sing a song about the Father. We see a cross, and we think of Jesus. But sometimes Spirit said, eh, today we're not going to forget about the Holy Spirit. We can't forget about him. And I want to show you some reasons why we can't forget 
who he is. John chapter 16. Now we're finally getting to the passage. Page 902. This is the day before Jesus crucified, so it's going to be important stuff that he's saying in his last few hours with his disciples. Follow along. John chapter 16, verse 1. He said this to his disciples. I have said all these things to you, chapters 14, to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you that I'm leaving, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And for those of you in my age bracket who saw different strokes, you might be going, what are you talking about, Willis? It's to your, our advantage that you would leave? For if I do not go away, the helper or some of your counselor will not come to you. If I don't go away, the counselor won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now take your Bible, if you would, and go back a couple chapters to chapter 14. All right? Chapter 14. Go to verse 15. In this same conversation, Jesus says this, 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, or some of your Bibles say counselor, to be with you for going to be wherever the Holy Spirit will be. Even the Spirit of truth, he's given him a name, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Or be in you. Verse 25. Go down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper or counselor identifies him here. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Go over to chapter 15. Go down to verse 26. And Jesus says, but when the helper comes, 1526, when the helper, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, this is who it is, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Back to Gene. So he's been talking about this helper a few times. Been talking about this counselor. Get to verse 7, chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, other will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, catch this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. You can circle that word, guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
This is what I want to focus on, verses 13 and 14. Phrases, God's Spirit guiding me to glorify Jesus. Jesus says, here's what I want you to know about this helper who's coming to you. This helper that if you are a believer in Jesus today, he dwells inside of you. He is there to guide and glorify Jesus. He's not, sometimes we get that, yeah, he's there to guide me. He's here to help me. He's here to steer me. And sometimes you think he's here to guide me and help me for my own good. But it's not for your glory. It's not that you'd be faint. It would not be that you'd be a big deal. He's guiding you for the glory of Jesus, that people would look at our lives and go, you're messed up, but how do you do this? Oh, it must be Jesus. And so we are guided to glory. Jesus, not guided to glorify ourselves. See, you and I, were glory hogs. And if you don't believe that you're a glory hog, I bet you believe that the person sitting next to you sometimes is a glory hog, okay? All right? Which they're thinking that about you. You and I like the attention. We like to talk about ourselves. We like to have people look at us. But we are guided by the Holy Spirit to glorify, to make a big deal out of Jesus, out of Jesus. Let's consider this a bit today. I want to share a few ways that the Holy Spirit guides us to glorify Jesus. And the first one is this, that he is convicting me of sin. Let's consider this one, if you would. The Holy Spirit, what he is, he is convicting you of sin. Now, for those of you who are believers, there was a time that he did this, and you said, and maybe you were four years old, or maybe this happened last week, that you said, you know what? I am a sinner. I have sinned. I kiss myself. My problems are too big. I need Jesus. That was the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin. And so there was a time that that happened so that you would trust Jesus. But the Holy Spirit's not done convicting you of sin. He's not done. For when you gossip, and there's that voice going, nah, that just wasn't good. That's the Holy Spirit saying, no. When you lashed out in your anger and your Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. We don't lash out in anger like that. When you were lusting, when you were coveting, when you were stealing, whatever you were doing, and there's this, oh. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin. And the idea is that he would guide you this way so that you would see you have a problem. Because if you see you have a problem, then you see that you need a Savior. If you never had problems, you wouldn't need a Savior. If you never, I think good. But the Holy Spirit's going to convict you and go, you're out of line. You're out of step. That was the wrong choice. And when you see that, the idea is to guide you to glorify you that says, I, I still need the Savior. I still need him. On my own, I'm a glory hog. I'm selfish. I know you're starting to think of somebody else in this room that might be a glory hog, but you are. You are. I am. I'm starting to think of you. You're the biggest glory hog in this room, all right? And the Holy Spirit convicts me as well. He says, that's sin, that's sin, that's sin. And he guides me to glorify Jesus. Now, prayer I want you to write down, and I want you to say it this week. I'm going to have you say it here. If we would say this, I think it would just help the Holy Spirit have an avenue to our heart. Just repeat after me. Guide me, Spirit, the glory of Jesus. We'll say it again. Guide me, Spirit, for the glory of Jesus. I think sometimes we say, guide me, Jesus, for my glory. And you're like, well, I don't say it that way. I know you don't, but you're meaning that. Guide me, God, for my good so that I can have an easier day. 
Guide me, spirit, for the glory of Jesus. And so God is invested. He says, I'm giving you my spirit. One of the reasons is to convict you. Write this down. The Holy Spirit is teaching me the ways of God. He's enlightening our minds. Sometimes some of you would come up to me after a Sunday and go, oh, that message really spoke to me. You must be watching my, or reading my journal or something like that. And, and here's what I think. I think, okay, thanks for the nice words, but here's what I really know. You were sensitive to the Spirit of God, and he was teaching you. When you were reading this, you're like, oh, that's good, that's good. Oh, what I heard, the whole teaching you. It is. And this is one of his roles. And he needs to teach you. Because if he teaches you, then you see that you need a Savior, and Jesus is glorified. If you live an uneducated life about yourself and your soul and your heart and the ways of God, you kind of forget that you need a Savior. And Jesus gets no glory. But when you read this, and you go, oh man, this all of it, you realize, well, God's do wait, God gets the glory. And the Holy Spirit is guiding you, teaching you for the glory of Jesus. Say this prayer again with me. Guide me, Spirit, for the glory of Jesus. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Let me share a third thought. The, the Holy Spirit is empowering me to be a minister. It's empowering me to be a minister. How many ministers do we have in this room? Everyone that has. You're a minister. And he wants to empower you to do that. He's not just saying a few more Red Bulls and you'll have courage to do this. You know, a few more of those drugs and all of a sudden you can, you know, be more level. No, 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 no. Let me empower you. Now, granted, I had a cup of coffee this morning. I'm thankful for that drug, okay? But I was also saying, God, you're going to have to empower me. You're going to have to speak through me. Give me the strength to do this. Now, here's what we know in Acts. Holy Spirit upon you. You will be my witnesses and he's going to give you power, dynamic power to be my witnesses. You don't have to do this on your own. In fact, you can't do this on your own. He's going to empower you. Second Timothy chapter 1 says this, we didn't receive a timid spirit, but we received a spirit of power, of love, of self-discipline. This is what we have in us. Like, man, I'm just an undisciplined person. No, you're not. You could tap into that if you wanted to. You could. And so the Holy Spirit is empowering me to be a minister and if you are empowered, and people are like, man, how do you do what you do? How did you handle that? How forgive? How did you love? How did you move on? How did you handle that diagnosis? And you're like, I couldn't, but I'm empowered. I'm guided by the Spirit of God for the glory of who? Jesus Christ. So say this prayer with me. Spirit, for the glory of Jesus. One more thought on this, that the Holy Spirit is producing in me the life of Jesus. He's producing this. He's producing this. Just as a tree is going to produce its fruit, God has invested in us. He's placed his spirit in us that we would produce this fruit. He, that we would be people who would love. love our Joy in the midst of just tragic and difficult situations, that we'd have peace when there's a storm. You see, this is the life that God is producing us through the Holy Spirit. It's not, okay, this week I'm going to try to be loving. You can't. 
But if you would say, Spirit, guide me for the glory of Jesus, he goes, oh, I'm going to empower you with love, joy, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. I'm going to help you be faithful when you don't want to be faithful. I'm going to help you be faithful when you don't think you can be faithful. Gentleness, self-control. I'm going to empower you if you do that. Some of you are like, man, I don't have it right now. Then I'd say, I'm not, I'm not producing that fruit. Then I'd say, then you need to get back to this source because the Holy Spirit wants to do this. This is his aim. I you for Jesus to produce fruit. When I go out in my backyard and I just love the next few months and I eat a raspberry, I just go, oh, this is to my glory that you're bearing fruit. I mean, I've watered you and I've cared for you and I've you grow and now I'm eating the fruit of this and this is just so good. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. I love you guys. My neighbors, they think I'm weird because I'm talking to these plants, but I love them. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And God does this and he's saying, invest in my Holy Spirit in you. And the idea is that you would connect and you'd pray this prayer, guide me, Spirit, for the glory of Jesus. And I'll produce my fruit through you. And I'll say, ah, oh, good to see my kids. They're producing the fruit that I put in them from the Holy Spirit. So say this prayer with me, if you would, again. Guide me, Spirit, for the glory of Jesus. So this is what God wants to do. And then I started thinking, but there are just ways that we stifle this growth, amen? It's like, man, I, I, I don't feel like I, I'm convicted of sin. I've got a heart. I don't feel like I'm learning anything. I don't feel like God's teaching me anything. I don't feel much power to live this victorious life. I don't feel like I'm producing this fruit. And I'd say, okay, what are the obstacles are seeing what God is doing? And I think sometimes it's just a matter of forgetting. It's just a matter of forgetting. You think, okay, Jesus died for me 2,000 years ago. But wait a second, what, God, what has God done in your life recently? We just forget. We don't think about it. We don't think about how he has guided us. We just forget this. But if we would remember, if we would look back, all of a sudden, oh, you are good. Man, you have produced so many good things in my life. I'm just forgetful. I'm not thinking back at those things. So here's what we're going to do. Four weeks from today, it's Father's Day. If my, I know that one of my kids is in today. Uh, Father's Day, four weeks away. Don't forget this. But when we have Father's Day, we're going to have what we call Look Back Sunday. I think it's in your worship program on the back somewhere. Look Back Sunday. And what I want us to do on that day is to look back on this. Remember how God has been faithful, how God has convicted us of sin, how God has taught us, how God has empowered us, how God has produced the life of Jesus in us. But there's no way we can get to that Sunday all of a sudden and just show up and remember this. So I'm going to give you an assignment. Yep, for some homework. All right. Yep, for some homework. I love teaching, which means I like giving homework as well. And I started writing down some questions this week, some even half, and then I spent some time answering these. And I want you to spend some time answering these. They're in your notes, but I want to go over them here. And the first question is this, what has God brought me through, or how, what has God guided me through this past year? And I don't know what you want to go back to, January or the start of the school year or May of 2017, but how has... In what ways has God guided you? 
Maybe he's brought you through something. Just, I want you to spend some time as a, and maybe it's like, well, I'm not through it yet. Then just consider how he guided and carried you. We talked about being carried last week. I just want you to look back at this past year. Now, to me, I have the advantage of journaling. I look back at my journals, and I've done this. And I look last May, last July, last September. And as I did this this week, I said, God, this is crazy. When I wrote this in July, when I wrote this in September, these mountains seemed so huge, and I did not know how I'd get to the other side. There were so many ways where I just said, I can't do this. In a lot of fronts. I look back now, May 2018, and I'm like, these are in my rearview mirror. <laughs> I'm like, how did, they, how did we do this? <laughs> I'm like, God, you brought me through this. And I just started writing some things down this week. Now, I have the advantage of journaling. So, and by should, it would bless your heart. Go back on Facebook. Sometimes they let you see some of the things you've done. And you can start looking at all the things you were like, oh, man, life is miserable. I don't know. I don't have a job. I don't know what to do. Go back on Facebook. Look at your thunder. Look at the things that were scaring you to death. Just think through the months. What were you going through in November? What were you going through in January? And look back and just answer this question. Guided. Consider your feelings. Consider your emotions. Consider your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups. Consider all those things. I, I just want you to know, I've done that this week. I had to look back and, God, if I look back, I, yeah, you have guided me. And as I tell this story to others, it's, for the glory of Jesus. It's not for my glory. You, Jesus. Question two. How? How did God guide me through this? Specifically, we're asking, what, what did God use? For, for some of these, as I was looking back, it was certain passages of Scripture. It's like, oh, for, that, for a month, I was on that one verse. Or it was a song like this song pointed me to the truths of God or this person carrying me how how did God guide me through I want you to consider this because God has been guiding you for the glory of Jesus and when you forget about it the Holy Spirit said I've been doing all this and you're like how's he been doing this maybe he's using problems like, I saw it as a problem. And God said, no, that wasn't a problem. That, that was actually one of my tools that I was. Third question, when or how did I realize that God was guiding? Maybe there was a certain time, certain moment. Again, that's the advantage of journaling. And if you're not journaling, start today. Just start writing down. Write these down. Look at these dates. And say, these are the thing, the times when God spoke to me. Last question I'd want you to consider is this. How I'd use this glory. This is a question of faith. This is the question of, I've seen how I got through. I've seen in my rearview mirror some of these obstacles. But I'm maybe still not sure how that's going to be used. I had to write this down this week and said, God, I know that you've strengthened my roots, you've strengthened my faith. I, I don't see all the fruit of this, but I know that when the next trial comes up, stronger, I know, I believe in faith 
that you're using this for your glory. I'm not seeing all the fruit right now. Sometimes I'm seeing very little of it. But here's what I know. Underneath, in my soul, my faith has been strengthened. My soul has been strengthened. My faith. How might God use this for his glory? You might be strengthened in your faith. God may be crushing some of your idols that you'd even more than God, he's like, I'm just crushing those. Because what I want you to do is I want you to love me, commit to me more than anything else. And so I'm going I'm to crush some of these things that you value to lunch. Maybe it's just part of seeing your need for growth, your need for health. At times I was like, God, I, I just don't have it. And I felt like he was saying to me, you're not healthy in a lot of ways. You're burned some way. You're not physically healthy in some ways. He's just showing me. How's he using this? He's preparing me for something, but it takes eyes of faith to see this. So I'm going to ask you, would you consider work? Would you consider answering these questions? Now, some of you are like, okay, I think I got it. I'm done. No, you're not done. I want you to think about this for the next few weeks. I want you to take some time. Some of you are going to turn this into a book, I believe. Seriously. All right? You just share that. Yeah, write the book and say, you know what? The Spirit of God guided me this past year for the glory of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But here's what I'm going to ask. When you share this with us, I don't want a book from you yet. Hundred words. Try this. I started typing this out, and I'm like, "Whoa, I'm at 200 already." And I thought, "Man, no one's gonna listen if it's 200." So I carved it down to 107. All right. And then I took it basically that great story of this past year in 41 seconds. And I thought, "Well, what happens if in four weeks from now we have a bunch of you just sharing, emailing us your story in a hundred words and us taking 40, just hearing about how God guided us through some very difficult situations, how he was convicting us of a sin, convicting us of the wrong path we are on, that he was teaching us the ways of God. He was empowering us to live, produce life of Jesus in us. What if we just got to share those stories? And I thought, this could be good. But it means you're going to have to do some homework. You're going to have to do some homework. So spend some time on this today, coming days. Email those to us, if you would. If you don't want us to share your name, you can do that. I take that off. I understand that. But I just want us to look back because I think when we forget the work of the Spirit of God, we see work. But if we look back and go, oh, man, he guided me just as Jesus said he would. For the glory of Jesus, this isn't that I'm a great person, but Jesus is faithful to me. And I'm at the end of it today, frankly, but I believe he's growing my roots. He's deepening my faith. I just know it. I believe it. And so we finish up today, but today is just like dot, 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 weeks start to hear some of your stories and I just look back, look forward to looking back and saying, oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you. So if you would, over the next few days, answer those four questions. Try to write it in a hundred words and let's consider the goodness of God in our lives. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for what this day it was us no longer trying to earn your favor, but because of Jesus, we, 
you would choose to dwell in us and that you are convicting us of our sin. You're convicting each of us even today. Some, maybe for the first time, to say, I need this Jesus. So guide us, Jesus, for the glory of Jesus. Jesus, guide us, guide us. Convict us, teach us. Continue to empower us. Continue to produce the life of Jesus in us. This is what we need. And I ask that you help my brothers and sisters give them insight into this last year, even the last few months. Convict them when they reflect. Teach them. And we wow, wow. God, you, you're good. You're good. So thank you, Father, for loving us, for this great plan. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross on our behalf. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for choosing to dwell inside of us. We thank you for the work that you're doing in us. Continue. Let it be our prayer this week. Guide me, Spirit. For the forward to seeing you work. We pray all of this in the powerful name of